You know, I've seen multiple people in response to the clip we're about to watch point out the fact that it seems like Republican politicians get so used to appearing on Fox News where they'll just be given softballs and any nonsense talking points won't be challenged. And so when they finally appear on a network that will ask actual questions, everything falls apart. They collapse. And indeed, that was the case here with Ron Johnson. So Ron Johnson represents Wisconsin. He's a senator uh, from Wisconsin and CNN host Caitlin Collins, because of that, found it relevant as it is to ask him about this recent news. The 10 fake electors, as CNN reports from Wisconsin, disavowed their attempt to overturn Donald Trump's defeat in 2020, recognized the legitimacy of President Joe Biden's victory and pledged not to serve as real electors in 2024 or in any election when Trump is on the ballot or to act as sham electors in any future election as part of a civil lawsuit settlement announced on Wednesday. And Ron Johnson, as you'll see, just started spouting off nonsense in response to that. Before I let you go, Senator, I do want to ask about this. Obviously, it's your home state. Ten Republicans who signed paperwork falsely claiming that Trump won there in the 2020 election have now agreed to withdraw that paperwork, acknowledge that Joe Biden did win the election, and also agree to, to not serve as an elector in the 2024 election or in any election where Trump is on the ballot. But there is one person who still serves, Robert Spindell, on a state agency that is responsible for administering elections and certifying the results. Do you think that he should resign from that, given the role he played in the fake elector scheme? No, again, there was an active court case. There are all kinds of irregularities in Wisconsin in the 2020 election. And in order to make sure that uh, the case just wasn't uh, determined to be moot, they had to have an alternate slate of electors, just like Democrats have done repeatedly in all kinds of different states. There was nothing untoward about what they did. There was nothing illegal about what they did. They were just an alternate slate of electors. They were going to court. They had $2.4 million on the line in damages if they lost this case at trial. That's why I, I, they, I know they, they they've took been harassed. They, they, but to say, you're I, saying I, I, that they I realize did Democrats wrong? have used the civil courts to harass these poor individuals. It's unfortunate. It's a travesty. But that's what Democrats do. They, they view politics as a blood sport. It was unfortunate. These folks did nothing different than what many Democrats have done in, in many states they certainly throughout did, our history. Senator, I mean, there were multiple slates of fake, ele fake electors, including in your home state. They're acknowledging that they were playing a role in trying to improperly overturn the election. That's what they said. They, they, they got themselves agreement. out of a nuisance lawsuit. They, they agreed to get to settle a nuisance lawsuit that never should have been brought. So you think it's it fine a that someone... It was a travesty of justice. You think it's fine that someone who, who tried to overturn a legitimate election is still on a Democrat board electors have certifies. done that repeatedly. Democrats have done... Which Democrats one? have done the same thing. In, Republicans in Wisconsin, have never tried to criminalize it. fake slates of electors? No, it's, it's happened in different states. I, Which I, I one, didn't come sir? prepared to give you the exact states, but it's happened. It's happened repeatedly. It has happened repeatedly. Just go check the books. Which books? I mean, there have been alternate slates of electors by Democrat uh, electors in our history. Again, I, you didn't. This wasn't what this interview is going to be about. I'll, I'll come and I'll provide you the information. But I'm okay. Absolutely I look forward to. That. I look forward to your office sending that information. We'll publish it if it's, if we'll it's accurate. That. Senator Ron Johnson, a busy day ahead on Capitol Hill. Thank you for your time tonight. That's brutal. Well, there was fake electors in past elections. Okay, which ones? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> now, he said that with so much confidence that surely he had to be referring to something, right? Before breaking down what 
kind of the right wing talking point is that I think he's referring to. It's not accurate, but it's what they point to. Let me just clearly and unequivocally say up front, no, there's no precedent for doing what Trump tried to do. And if you're sort of fuzzy on exactly what the fake elector scheme was, I'll remind you of that in more depth in just a second. But this was a nationwide attempt to defraud and disenfranchise millions of voters to overturn an election like we've never seen in the country before. And one of the elements of it was this attempt to pass off electors as the lawfully elected ones when they weren't. And so Ron Johnson, I just want to be clear before giving you the example that he's probably referencing, nothing's happened like that before. And so he's just completely being dishonest or he is clueless. Now, when you do dive into trying to figure out what are people out there who are maybe uh, kind of better at perpetuating these nonsense talking points, they have it more straight in their head than Ron Johnson had it there. You have people citing an example from 1960 in the election between John F. Kennedy and Richard Nixon. Here's media outlining that situation. After Hawaii counted its votes, Richard Nixon was ahead pending a recount, which ended up putting Kennedy over the top. However, that recount was still ongoing by the time Hawaii needed to send its slate of electors to Congress. Both the Democrats and the Republicans sent their slates of electors with the understanding that the slate for the actual winner would be recognized. Hawaii's results were moot by that point as Kennedy already won enough electoral votes. In 2020, however, fake electors for Trump in multiple states signed fraudulent papers claiming Trump won the state after the results, after the results in those states had already been determined and certified. So yes, both had to do with slates of electors, but that's about it. No similarity especially when talking about the legality of the two situations, just not comparable whatsoever. One was a situation where the actual vote counting had gone on so long that both slates were uh, sent to be ready for either outcome because the recount was going on and it could go either way. The 2020 situation was after the states had already certified the results and determined the slate of electors that would be sent. So just an outrageous comparison, if that's what Ron Johnson was referring to, or maybe he's just heard vaguely people say, well, it's happened before. No, it hasn't. Now, as a reminder, what was the fake elector scheme? Well, as all of you guys probably know, presidents are elected by the electoral college. That means that electors are sent by the states to cast their vote for the candidate that won in each state. And what Trump and his allies did was have individuals signed fraudulent forms claiming they were the quote duly elected and lawful electors end quote of swing states when they weren't then tried to get mike pence to count those instead of the actual lawful electors prosecutors have the documents they have the witnesses a pretty clear cut element of the case which is why i focus on it so much seems so obviously illegal now if you're still struggling to understand why it's not okay within a democracy to have that take place imagine if that was allowed in every election each candidate just gets people to sign documents saying they're the actual lawful electors and then the election comes down to just simply who the vice president decides to go with i'm going to pick this slate of electors to count that would be chaos and by the way now ron johnson's trying to act like it's all totally fine and come on that was no big deal and he's not concerned about it being illegal whatsoever but when the news initially broke that he may have had some involvement and he was asked about it, 
panic would ensue as you'll see uh, in this moment. Moving on to the alternate slate of electors. Uh, of course, we're going to talk about that. And I know you've said publicly that it's a non-issue what is. happened with the slate electors and your involvement. I, no, I, I, I virtually, you can't, I had no involvement. I received either three texts and I sent two texts or the other way around. I mean, my involvement, you know, my, my lack of involvement was seconds worth of texting. But that's still I, I, involvement. But, but I didn't even know, I was, I was texted that, there had something had to be delivered to the vice president. I didn't know what it was, and was there somebody that could help arrange delivery? So then I text. Then I talked to my chief of staff, and he took care of it. We found out that the vice president wasn't accepting anything. He said can't deliver anything. That was the end of the story. But if he would have said can't, yes, you can't, you can't. You can't call that involvement. But if he would have said yes, go ahead and deliver it, even though you didn't know I what didn't, it was. What, what, what would you do if you get a call? If you get a call from the president of the United States lawyer. Wanting to get something to the vice president, but you didn't know what didn't it know. was. Again, you've Wouldn't got. Wouldn't you? Got lawyer, Wouldn't you want to inquire what got, something is to hand to the vice president of the United States during such a critical anything. time? I didn't hand anything to the president. I wasn't involved. But if I you would have said I sure, wasn't I wasn't involved. You can make it seem I wasn't involved. A couple of texts, a, a few seconds of my time. I couldn't couldn't even remember what my you know. What, what I had done, which is why it took a little while to piece it all together, but you know, we pieced it all together. I, I received three texts and I sent two, or vice versa. Was Sean Riley working rogue? Did he go rogue? Was he working on no, his own? He was my new chief of staff. He worked for me earlier. He'd been in the White House. He knew these people. Somebody was asking him to arrange a delivery of something to the vice president. He contacted the people that he knew for the vice president and said, we're not accepting anything. End of story. So he knew what he was doing, even though no one knew what that thing was. There, we, we weren't doing anything. We were just, was, were we supposed to deliver something or not? Did the vice president want it? The vice president didn't. We didn't deliver anything. If you're, it's, I mean, it's, it's a complete nonsense. I know the news media is trying to turn it into a story. So that was back in 2022 when he was getting pressed on it. And uh, <laughs> it would be a disaster every time. There was one time where he left the Capitol and reporters were asking him and he acted like he was taking a phone call, but it didn't really look like a real phone call. Also, the quote, my lack of involvement was seconds worth of texting. My lack of involvement was a little involvement. Hmm. So obviously, if he thought nothing was wrong with trying to pass off phony electors as the lawful ones, then he wouldn't be acting so weird in interviews like that, so panicked. Just one more time, my lack of involvement was seconds worth of texting, was involvement. Just cracking me up. And this is what we see time and time again. Republicans right after January 6th, for example, were almost all saying it was bad what Trump did, condemning it. But then they had some time to figure out, oh, the base actually doesn't feel that way. And so then they started perpetuating these bonkers conspiracy theories about it being an FBI inside job and it was really just a peaceful protest and Trump had nothing to do with it. But if he did, he didn't do anything wrong. And if it was violent, it was the FBI agents. But if it, it wasn't FBI, it was peaceful. And the FBI agents were the ones who did the violence, but the people who arrested for violence are political prisoners. All very strange. And same thing with all of Trump's attempts to stay in power, like the fake elector scheme. Now Republicans either act like none of that happened or pretend like it was no big deal. Whereas previously, as we watched, Ron Johnson was desperately trying to make clear he wasn't involved with such a scheme, obviously indicating he knows how big of a deal 
it is. I do think this segment is a perfect segment to show once again a clip that I've shown in the past from episode one of Mocha's with MAGA because it really illustrates one of the issues that we're up against. I've been stunned as I've talked to more and more Trump supporters at rallies or for Mocha's with MAGA by how few of them have ever even heard of any of the details of Trump's attempts to overturn the election. They genuinely think he was just indicted for saying the election was stolen. Trump doesn't think that. He says it, but they actually believe it. And it shows you the media echo chamber that they're living in. And same thing as I've shown you with Trump's call for the termination of the Constitution. Many of the people who support Trump the most seem to know the least about what he's doing and saying day to day which is remarkable. If I was wearing a hat with someone's name on it, I would make sure, or with their slogan on it, I would make sure I'm keeping up with what they're doing so I know that I actually stand for what they stand for. So here was, as an example of this, my attempt to explain the fake elector scheme to two Trump supporters. I'm just saying, are you okay with a president? If they lose an election technically, you agree the technical loss went to Trump, right? Through the Electoral College? Do we agree? Even if you think it was stolen, I'm just saying technically Honestly, Biden won. Honestly, technically, I question it due to due to the fact of what happened in our own no, city, I got that. in I got our that. own I got that. I'm county. saying so Mike Pence certified it. on January 6th votes that said Electoral College. I'm, I'm in our city, in Cedar Park. They I'm not talking about that. Oh, no, I understand that, but this is the point that I'm trying to make. So in Cedar Park, they certified an election, them knowing that people got the wrong ballots. So if that, that happened just, yeah. in our city, within our county, yeah. then how do I know that it didn't happen nationwide? I'm, I just meant like Biden became the president. He is the one who got the Electoral College, even if you think it was fraudulent. So what I'm saying if someone loses an election, but they're the president, they're running for re-election as Trump was, and they're the president, is it appropriate for them to then get people to say, not the electors that the state sent, but just random people to sign fraudulent forms that aren't the lawful ones that the state uh, create and just but say, we're, waiting we're, for it to be proven innocent, we're the electors, proven or guilty right if, now. It, if this indeed happened, we are the electors. I don't even think they deny they tried to do this. They just don't think it's against the law. Um, and we should be counted instead of the actual ones. That would throw our constitution to a crisis mode because you have to have a lawful process and you can't go outside of that. You have to be through the process we have the state sends the electors the electors get counted on december 14th then on january 6th congress certifies it i know we you're need trying that. to compartmentalize certain things and i and i understand people like to do that however when you see it from a smaller level and as you see it go from like from the city to the county to the state to each state i know Come for on. you rather difficult as you could see there and it's what we've talked about before either they don't know about the bad things Trump has said or done, like this historic moment where he tried to block the peaceful transfer of power. If you're going to say you support Trump, you got to know about at least what's being accused on that front. But so many haven't even heard about it who say they support him or they hear about it and it's fake news or they acknowledge it's not fake news. Trump definitely did that thing or said that thing and it's totally fine. It's like when I said, hey, to a Trump supporter, what if Biden called for the termination of the Constitution? He said, that would be horrible. Then I said, hey, here's Trump saying that. And he said, ah, it's fine. Well, initially he said, nah, Trump never said that. Then he acknowledged if he did, then it would be fine. How do you deal with that? How do you pull somebody out of that? Now, by the way, 
I'm going on a holiday break after Christmas, and so we're working on another episode of Mochas with MAGA that I'll be able to upload while I'm gone. A little saved up content. Hopefully that will all come together and you'll have a holiday gift. Can you <laughs> consider it that more of what you saw in that clip in another episode of Mochas with MAGA? We'll see. One of the freshman stars in the Democratic Party in Congress is Jasmine Crockett. She's produced some fantastic moments in House oversight hearings where she calls out the nonsense of the GOP at their own hearings. And I came across this moment from an interview she did with Charlemagne the God that came out yesterday on The Breakfast Club where she didn't hold back in her explanation of extreme MAGA Republicans and specifically called out the absurdity of their attempt to portray Joe Biden as corrupt and of <laughs> being the leader of the Biden crime family, as they call it, despite there not actually being evidence of crimes. Here it is. That's why you go viral when you call a GOP out and call them a bunch of mm. asshole Republicans, yeah. which yeah. you did. Yeah. Why did you do that? Because they are. What you mean? <laughs> I know, but what was the specific <laughs> thing that made you, that, I mean, that, that, that triggered you that day and said, nah, I'm tired of this shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, when I sit there, the oversight committee is where all the drama is. This is where the impeachment inquiry is. And, you know, it's insulting that we have idiots like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, um, Paul Gosar, uh, Jim Jordan. I mean, you just name all of the nonsense Republicans and they sit on this committee and they sit there so high and mighty and they talk noise constantly. And they're like, oh, the Biden crime family. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Have you met the Trumps? Like, mm -hmm. like, who is it that's in court every single day or every other day with something, whether it's the fraudulent businesses that he's run or whether it's his criminal issues on the state level, mm -hmm. on the federal level? And you're trying to make something out of nothing. And that's it. And it's interesting. She said that it's crazy that they'd talk about the Biden crime family, despite no evidence of crimes on the part of Joe Biden, when Trump is currently involved in four criminal cases where there actually is evidence of criminality. But in reality, it's actually because of that fact that they're spreading nonsense about Joe Biden. It's because Trump has allegedly been engaged in so much criminal behavior that they're accusing Biden of all sorts of baseless things. It's because so many Americans perceive Trump rightfully so, as potentially a criminal, that they're trying to portray Joe Biden as a criminal. I'll keep saying it, but this is the whole point of the Biden impeachment charade on the part of Republicans. It's an attempt to level the playing field going into 2024 for Donald Trump. Now, of course, the part of that clip that caught everyone's attention was her calling Marjorie Greene, Lauren Boebert, Paul Gosar, and others idiots which reminded me of this moment from former Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney. What we've done in our politics is create a situation where we're electing idiots. <laughs> and, um, and so I, I don't look at it through the lens of like, you know, is this what I should do or what I shouldn't do? I look at it through the lens of how do we elect serious people? And I think electing serious people can't be partisan. And I know to a lot of people, the term idiots comes off as sort of juvenile, but let's just say we too often aren't electing our best, okay, to these important positions of power. In the case of MAGA Republicans, we aren't electing serious people who have a serious interest in governing. 
It's about chaos politics and these political stunts and owning the libs. And we could at least have a shot at solving so many more serious problems if we just stop electing those sorts of people into power. And I'll come back to, again, when Democrats had the House for the first two years of Biden's presidency, what do we see? It's really pause, especially if you're center or center-right and think about this. There was an actual commitment, even if you disagreed with the outcome of the governance, a commitment to serious governance. We saw a list of legislative achievements that were historic and more achievements than we've seen in a really long time. The American Rescue Plan, Infrastructure Law, Inflation Reduction Act, Chips and Science Act, the PACT Act, etc. When you combine those and look through how much that's doing in the country to solve actual problems as we've gone through extensively in the past, it's actually pretty remarkable. An actual, meaningful, impactful policy record, which we just aren't seeing from extreme MAGA Republicans. You haven't seen actual policy achievements in the Republican-led House. So if we want to get back to actually solving problems, step one is to vote out extreme MAGA Republicans. Now, while we're on the subject of Jasmine Crockett, I'll remind you of a couple of her most viral hearing moments. This one, of course, somewhat recently got her a lot of coverage. As I prepared, I said, what is the crime? Because when you're talking about impeachment, you're talking about high crimes or misdemeanors. And I, I can't seem to find the crime. And honestly, no one has testified of what crime they believe the president of the United States has committed. But when we start talking about things that look like evidence, they want to act like they blind. They don't know what this is. These are our national secrets. Looks like in the to me. This looks like more evidence of our national secrets, say on a stage at Mar-a-Lago. When we're talking about somebody that's committed high crimes, it's at least indictments, let's say 32 counts related to unauthorized retention of national security secrets, seven counts related to obstructing the investigation, three false statements, one count of conspiracy to defraud the United States, falsifying business records, conspiracy to defraud the United States, two counts related to efforts to obstruct the vote certification proceedings, one count of conspiracy to violate civil rights, 23 counts related to forgery or false document statements, eight counts related to soliciting and I could go on because he's got 91 counts pending right now but I will tell you what the president has been guilty of he has unfortunately been guilty of loving his child unconditionally and that is the only evidence that they have brought forward and honestly I hope and pray that my parents love me half as much as he loves his child until they find some evidence and then you have this and Lauren Boebert had just gone after a witness in a hearing pretty personally and so Jasmine Crockett responded like this. This is recognized for five minutes. <sighs> this committee runs my pressure up. Uh, and 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 I I do come prepared to committee, and then there's always somebody from this side that does something ridiculous that, that throws me all the way off. So uh oh Jesus. Okay, so this is where we're gonna start, Miss Caskin. Um first of all, let me apologize because that was uncalled for. So let me do what she would never do, uh, which is to be an adult in this room or in this chamber. So let me start there. I'm also going to start with some nonsense that she was trying to spew. And unlike Ms. Bobert, I am legally trained and I've passed a few bar exams. Uh, and I also legislated before I got here, so. And I'm pretty sure that was the hearing that Lauren Bobert stormed out of, if uh, you remember 
that debacle. It seemed like for a long time, there were all these Republicans who would bring the heat and Democrats would sort of play softball. But now we have a group of Democrats like Jasmine Crockett who brings the heat. And that's good to see. So I have for you some pretty big news relating to Trump's federal election interference case. Let me first give you the context and then I'll update you on the latest on that. So a little bit ago, Trump's lawyers filed a motion to dismiss the case altogether. Throw it out, citing absolute presidential immunity. The argument, incorrect argument, but the argument being that everything Trump did while trying to stay in power was within his official duties as president. Thus, he should be completely legally immune. Now, Jack Smith's team, I think, made a pretty convincing case to the contrary, but to give you a sense of the argument that was being made by Trump's legal team, one of the excerpts of their motion to dismiss read, quote, the prosecution does not and cannot argue that President Trump's efforts to ensure election integrity and to advocate for the same were outside the scope of his duties. Mm. Because Trump trying to block the peaceful transfer of power through a fraudulent electors plot attempt to block certification of the election, pressuring local election officials to disenfranchise their voters, etc. All that was a part of Trump's efforts to ensure election integrity. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. Uh, by the way, Trump's lawyers have been making generally some pretty wild arguments in this case. There was a breakdown a couple weeks ago on LukeBeasleyShow.com slash news. I'll link it below that discussed this. One of the lines from Emily, who does great legal analysis on the website read, quote, his attorneys have continued to file conspiracy written motions in that same jurisdiction full of bizarre claims that give an early indication of what his defense in the January 6th federal trial will look like. And then Emily goes on to break down some examples of what she's referring to, just really wild stuff. And I think it gives us a sense of what we're going to be seeing in these trials. They're going to be pretty wacky for sure. And so far, not looking good for Trump on that front. But getting back to the context for the most recent big legal Trump news, his team made this presidential immunity argument that I just read you an excerpt from. It was rejected by Judge Chutkin. They are appealing and the hope for them is to tie this up in litigation for really as long as possible. If they can keep appealing, this could take months and months to be finalized, which would delay the trial past the 2024 election, which seems to be Trump's hope. And hopefully that's not going to end up working because it would be good to know, very relevant for voters to know if Trump is going to be found guilty or not on crimes relating to a coup attempt he engaged in when he was president, when he's now running for president once again. And so in response to Trump's legal team trying to tie this up in litigation for as long as possible, Jack Smith responded by going straight to the Supreme Court and asking them to just go ahead and weigh in on the issue to expedite the process. And here is the pretty big news on that. Breaking news, the Supreme Court just moments ago taking a step forward in a historic case involving Donald Trump. Late this afternoon, the Supreme Court agreeing to hear an extraordinary petition from special counsel Jack Smith, who is pursuing this criminal prosecution of Trump for his efforts to overturn the 2020 election. Now, the nation's highest court is now set to weigh in for the first time on the historic criminal prosecution of a former president. The special counsel is asking the justices to break from tradition and 
and decide quickly on whether Donald Trump has immunity. Here is what the special counsel wrote in this petition. This case presents a fundamental question at the heart of our democracy, whether a former president is absolutely immune from federal prosecution for crimes committed while in office. Robert Costa is our chief election and campaign correspondent. He's here to help us understand these big developments. So Robert, the special counsel is trying to make sure that his case moves forward on March 4th, right? Well, that's exactly right. Jack Smith is looking into the future. He knows when the January 6th trial begins next year, former President Trump will claim it's illegal and try to raise that with the highest court. That view is backed up by our sources who say Trump is pushing his lawyers to appeal, appeal, and appeal, and argue he should be immune from prosecution about his alleged conduct while serving as president. But now Smith is trying to get ahead of Trump's strategy to make sure he's on solid ground legally and won't be delayed by a flurry of motions from Trump. Trump's team pushed back against him today, saying Smith is attempting to bypass the appeal process. They now have until December 20th to respond before the high court weighs in if they do it all. All of this, of course, is going to take place as the Republican presidential race heats up next spring and Trump could be wrapping up the nomination. Also, in this petition, why did the special counsel reference U.S. versus Nixon? Nor history hovers over everything, especially with this case. And remember, back in 1974, the U.S. government said President Richard Nixon couldn't protect his case, his tapes. Now, the special counsel, Jack Smith, is looking for a similar ruling from the court to say prosecutors can move forward and try to prosecute a president or a former president. And do it expeditiously. Robert, thank you. So that's pretty big. The Supreme Court has agreed to decide on whether or not they'll hear the case relatively quickly. Trump's team has until December 20th to respond then the supreme court will make their decision to be clear it's big that they're committing to deciding on if they'll hear the case quickly but it doesn't mean they'll choose to hear the case the hope is that they will and then make a final decision on trump's presidential immunity argument hopefully they knock it down and if they do and i think they will it seems wild you would say all of that presidential immunity and if they do, then Trump's defense, in my mind, is largely sunk. Jack Smith's case is so strong, as we've talked about. And so if Trump can't get out of it by saying, well, I'm just immune because I did those things as president, then I don't know how he avoids a conviction. But of course, we'll see in due time. Now, while we're talking about the legal troubles of MAGA, as we did yesterday, I want to update you on Rudy Giuliani's defamation trial. He is currently in the middle of a defamation trial relating to his lies about two Georgia election workers, Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss, and he accused them of all these different wild conspiracy theories, engaging in voter fraud, handing around a flash drive, doing illegal things with it. And of course, these things were false, but he caused them to be, along with Trump and other right-wingers, threatened and harassed, and their lives were turned upside down. The judge as I've talked about, already determined that Giuliani lost the case, but now the jury's deciding on damages, how much Giuliani will have to pay Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss. And what's really aggravating is, I'm sure we'll also see this with Trump, but Giuliani has submitted legal filings that say one thing to try to get himself out of a whole lot of legal trouble. And then he goes out and says something different publicly. So for example, we talked about how in this case, Giuliani had to admit that what he said about Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss wasn't factual. But then yesterday, he left court and said this. Whatever happened to them, which is, it's unfortunate if other people overreacted, 
But everything I said about them is true. Do you regret what you did to Sh Ruby? Of course Sanders? I don't regret. I told the truth. They they were engaged in changing votes. There's no proof of that. Oh, you're damn right there is. Stay tuned. What a truly vile person. I'll remind you of some of Ruby Freeman's testimony in front of the January 6th Select Committee in a moment to show you the effect of these lies. It has an impact. But as I'm sure you can imagine, because of the conspiracy theories about Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss, they had to move. They were constantly being threatened. Ruby Freeman said she was afraid to tell people her name in public. Two beautiful human beings who were just serving their community, serving our democracy, and because of an anti-democratic fool, couldn't accept that he lost their lives were wrecked in so many ways and the judge in this case actually responded to the clip that we just watched cnn reports the federal judge overseeing rudy giuliani's defamation damages trial in washington dc rebuked the former donald trump lawyer tuesday over quite defamatory comments he made a day earlier to reporters about the two georgia election workers at the center of the case that was the clip we watched u.s district judge beryl howell said Giuliani's comments outside the federal courthouse in D.C., quote, could support another defamation claim. And that's absolutely the case. And I think Giuliani is genuinely an unwell person. Here's him doing a live stream or recording a video or something after the trial yesterday. And just like Trump, he's making himself out to be the ultimate victim. Uh, when, you're in, when you're in, when you're in, when you're the Christian, in the lion's den, in the Colosseum, and the five lions are attacking you, you can't pay, you can't, you can't play, you can't play diddlywinks. <laughs> we don't play diddlywinks, you'll see. Mayor? So just have faith and confidence. They had a good time today by uh, just talking and talking and talking. And um, we'll have a good time yes. later by proving and proving that Improving. Uh, have we won every battle with them on who's telling the truth? Yes. Separate from what he's saying there, being ridiculous, what a strange dynamic. Him sitting there in a hotel room, people off camera chiming in. If you're someone who watches Rudy Giuliani sitting in a hotel room complaining about how he's so offended that people want justice for him trying to destroy their lives, please do some introspection. Something's wrong if that's your evening plan. I'm going to tune into Rudy Giuliani who legally admitted he lied about these things, but he's gonna go and do it even more publicly. Now, the only good thing about this behavior is the fact that likely it means the jury's gonna hit him with massive damages, as they should. With that being said, all these lies aren't just about random names in articles. These are real human beings with lives, with families. And so I want to once again, put a face to the name of Ruby Freeman Here's a moment from her testimony in front of the January 6th Select Committee discussing the impact of Trump and his allies' lies about her and her daughter. I've lost my name and I've lost my reputation. I've lost my sense of security. All because a group of people starting with number 45 and his ally, Rudy Giuliani, decided to scapegoat me and my daughter, Shay to push their own lies about how the presidential election was stolen. We're just gonna play the tape. There is nowhere I feel safe, nowhere. Do you know how it feels to have 
the President of the United States to target you? The President of the United States is supposed to represent every American. Not to target one, but he targeted me, Lady Ruby, a small business owner, a mother, a proud American citizen who stand up to help Fulton County run an election in the middle of the pandemic. So hopefully Rudy Giuliani is held accountable for the damage that he did and hopefully the others are as well before we go don't forget to become a member at lukebeasleyshow.com slash membership to get the daily bonus show monday through friday plus follow me on threads at lukebees official instagram at lukebees official x at lukebeasley and sign up for the beasley brief a daily morning newsletter that summarizes the previous day's events by going to lukebeasleyshow.com slash brief and i'll talk to you all next time